Hello, my fellow music lovers. I'm Allison Hagendorf, and welcome to the show. This is where we celebrate the universal love of music and the rock and roll spirit that lives in each of us. I am so proud to be kicking off the month of March, Women's History Month, with a slate of fierce femmes who transcend their craft. They pave the way, they inspire, they are symbols of strength and empowerment. My guest today is the one, the only, Joan Jett, a trailblazing, history-making living legend. We talk all about the obstacles Joan has had to repeatedly knock down as a woman in rock, her involvement in the motivating children's series Rebel Girls, her passion for inspiring the next generation, and why the term rock star really pisses her off. It all starts now. Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Joan, so good to see you. You you look amazing. Like I need to know what your fountain of youth secret is because you look gorgeous. You look fan- you're ageless. You look fantastic. Thank you very much. But actually, I'm really I'm not doing anything. I'm it's freaking me out because I'm so immobile. You know, I haven't been doing anything after a tour. It takes me a little bit of time to want to do anything. You know, I hear and that. Then, and you get the holidays and they kick your butt. And it's like, I, I just want to just do nothing before I have to start doing whatever. So, you know, I probably put on a couple of pounds eating peanut bars and uh, just just chilling out. So thank you for the compliment. Yeah, but- you, look, you look gorgeous and you looked absolutely incredible in the Super Bowl spot. I mean, how fun was that with you, Paul Stanley, Gary Clark Jr., Ozzy? Like, tell me, I mean, tell me about that spot. Were you so psyched to be part of it? It was a blast. Well, I, I was, um, yes. I, once I, once I said yes and I decided to go for it, um, I was excited about it, but you know, it's, it's like a, it's a new territory for me. So I want to be really careful to not, you know, you want to be able to laugh at yourself, but you also don't want to do something really dumb. You know, um, I can't explain it. I'd know it when I see it, you know, like I, I don't want to do that, you know, but this was how pretty much the concept that was explained to me about, rock star you know using the word rock star and it is has been annoying (laughs) certainly when it it started you know now i'm kind of we're all kind of used to it but um you know when it started it it was it was just annoying right so it was funny that other people picked up on it and um possibly agree and I thought um, the, the, it was shot really well. We all did it separately, you know, so we, we mm-hmm. each had our own day. So we never saw each other, you right. know, but I, yeah. I, I've, I know those guys throughout my whole career. Um, all of them from like the Runaways days, maybe not Ozzy. Yeah. I saw that was he was my first, very first concert. But um, really, yeah, Black Sabbath at the Baltimore Civic Center. 
Oh my God. That's yeah. incredible. That was your first concert. That's bad. Yeah, so, uh, but I met him, um, you know, years later, but so uh, it was, it was fun. And I thought the commercial came off exactly what they described to me. It was perfect. It was just so you know, it came across awesome. It was badass. It's a total instant classic spot, you know, sort of like that, that Betty White uh, Snickers spot she did that was just like completely propelled her into a whole new generation of popularity. But the spot right, was right. awesome. The spot. And I was laughing because I sign off this show like you're a rock star and I was hysterical. But I feel like maybe it's okay because I actually am talking to a lot of rock stars directly. <laughs> so yeah, maybe, so I, maybe I get a free pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But you know, I mean, I understand it, but yeah, when you intellectually, when you think about why and why people would use that of all, of all the phrases that they could use. And, you know, I, I get it, but when you're just reacting to it viscerally, as yeah. that's what you, you know, what you, what other people describe you are. I mean, I don't walk around thinking, thinking of myself as a rock star. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a musician and I'm lucky that some people know who I am, you know, and other people don't. So you got to be okay with that. And I am. You're so humble, John. But at the so other, awesome. did you see the other commercial? Oh, I Which saw, yeah, I, saw I did. Yeah. I did. So good. That was cool. So the good. flag football stuff, yeah. Yes, yeah, so so cool. Yeah. Which makes me think that I want to talk about the Rebel Girls stuff that you have been part of. And for people not familiar with Rebel Girls, it's basically it's emp it's empowering a new generation of girls to to dream big by um you know amplifying real life stories of extraordinary women. I have the entire series here. For those of you listening, I'm ho actually holding up the book. And it's so cool. You actually do the forward for this book, um, which really sets the tone. You know, why was that important for you to be part of the Rebel Girls series? Well, I mean, I'll tell you this: this book. Well, now I guess it's a series of books, but mm -hmm. the very first one, it's a children's book for kids. Oh yeah, it's for it's okay. basically trying to create a new generation of girls who feel empowered and that they can do they can dream big. They could do anything. Right, they but it's, still, yeah. it's a kid's. It was a kid's yeah. book. Yeah. Um. And so the first, the first one, I'm not. I don't recall everybody, all the all the women in it, but they were all really heavy duty women, uh, politicians, scientists, and I was the only musician in there. And we didn't. We didn't know about it. It's like somebody told us about it because their kid had been. Someone uh, read them the story. And, you know, so we, we didn't even know about it. We found out about it after the fact. And I was knocked out. I was so honored. I thought, wow, of all the people they could have cho chosen to represent the, the musician in this first book of all these women, I mean, that that's really, really special. That's the kind of thing that where I feel a mark, I've made a mark. Yeah. Because that's, I'm representing all, all of women in music. And I, I think it's more the spirit than my actual songs is what they're getting at, is the spirit of perseverance and that you can do it and you can achieve what you want to achieve. So, you know, I think, you know, that's how I, I choose to look at it, you know. Of course. Um, 
only because it's hard for me to think it's about the songs necessarily. When you're talking about all these other women of achievement, you know, so it's more than just the music. I don't really know. Maybe it's it's hard for me to judge it because it's me. But I was very uh, honored and floored to be involved in that first one. And so, of course, I want to be part of bringing more stories to, to girls all over the world and boys, by the yeah. by the way, who are affected by these books as well on many levels. You know, some read them firsthand and some are affected because their sisters are reading it or, or, or something. And um, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to tell all these stories and just educate all of us, you know, Absolutely. me included, about all these women I don't even, I didn't even know about, you know, or maybe have heard of some of them don't, but don't know enough, you know. And right. It's, um, since we're not teaching everything in schools, it's important that we have something with genuine knowledge in it. Of course. And and also in this book, on the cover of this one, it, you're on it, and so is Nandi Bushall, um, the 12-year-old drummer. Do you know much about her? Have you oh, connected wow. with her at all? It, um, is she in uh, what band? She's actually a, an upcoming guest on the show as well, but she was that. she is that drummer that... She played in the Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl called her like the coolest drummer in the world. She played with Lenny Kravitz. It's just, it's incredible that she is 12. She'll be 13 soon. And she's already so committed and skilled and adept. And she can play multiple instruments. But what wow. a huge role model, you know, for, for young name? girls. Nandy, Nandy Bushel. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe if the Runaways ever get into the Hall of Fame, we're going to need to find a girl drummer because... Sandy West, our iconic drummer, has passed away many years ago, and we'd have to find somebody cool like yeah. that, you know? That's a dream. That's just a dream. You know, we'd no, have to... totally. The Runaways getting into the Hall of Fame is, is probably very uh, unlikely, probably. Do you think there could potentially ever be a Runaways reunion of sorts? Only in that context. You right. know, if we got into the Hall of Fame, I think, you know... We could play a song or two, but we'd need somebody like Nandy. Yeah. And then you'd have to have everybody agree. Right. That's the hardest part, getting all the girls to say yes. Right. Right. Without their own ideas. That would be very, very special. It's important to start young because... I know that you were very fortunate that your parents were very supportive at a very early age for you. So for people who might not have supportive parents or someone supportive around them, they can read this book and feel like I can do it, you know? Yes, yes. Because it's like things that happened to us when we were young that really set the tone. I know that when you first picked up the guitar, your guitar teacher was trying to have you do folk and was trying to steer you in a certain direction. Yes, and also my na me being naive and not knowing anything about guitar, you know, obviously he had to teach me chords before I could play rock and roll. Yeah, but he didn't present it that way. You know, he should his manner. You know, maybe he was trying to say you have to learn to play before you can play rock and roll. Right, but he didn't. You know, I think he was so flummoxed that he just didn't know what to do and tried to teach me on top of Old Smokey. <laughs> you know? So I, it just turned me off because 
I didn't want to go through that. And um, I wanted him to teach me Black Sabbath and yeah. the songs I was hearing that I was trying to play at home, Smoke on the Water. The, the ones that every guitar player learns because they're big, fat, slow chords that you can that you can manage. He was clearly not a rock star. He was clearly not a rock star <laughs> at all. He didn't get it. He didn't get it at all. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just so important for me talking about empowerment and, and true empowerment is to know that Joan Jett is one of the biggest rock stars, not female rock stars, just rock stars, period, you know, and I think that's so important. You know, what what does empowerment mean to you? I'm not really sure if I even mm-hmm. have, have, have um, thought about it myself. What What does it mean to me? Uh, it's more than just your own power, I would think. Em- empowerment to me means more, more than just yourself. The fact that, uh, that you could influence others, to me, that's empowerment of, of your own, um, whatever you want to call them, gifts, talents, mm-hmm. of your own stuff, putting it out there to hope that, other people latch on and reach out and they feel their power. So to me, it's like not necessarily a, a, a one thing you do by yourself, you know? That's amazing. Yeah. I it almost think, transcends you know? yourself. The empower, true empowerment transcends you. And yes. Is able yes. To lift I up believe others. so. I mean, if it's just all for you, how is that empowerment? Right. <laughs> I mean, where are you going to go? You know, I mean, it just doesn't mean anything, you know, it's like, right. I'm empowered. Okay. What does that mean? You know, yeah. in the day to day, in the second to second life, unless you're, sure. re, you know, communicating with another, it's kind of hard to be empowered al- completely alone. You're absolutely right. I think that when you're empowered, you're sort of liberated in a way to share, like you said, to share your own power, gifts, talents, energy, rock and roll spirit with others and to lift them up as well. Yes. And I think it's, it's an internal, as well, I think it's an internal confidence that's not spoken or it's just an energy that's there saying. Is this something you've always had? Do you feel like you, you've always had that innate confidence or is that something that came over time? I think it's always been there, but being very shy, you know, it wouldn't come out until it had to come out. Something was so wrong that I had to go, ah, you know, and say <laughs> something or do something. You know, I can't think of any really examples, but, oh, yes, I can. I was just talking to my friend, my longest friend, who I've known since I'm eight years old, right? And um, our, when I moved to that neighborhood in Maryland, and I was eight years old, and I remember our backyards kind of touched, you know, chain link fence around the backyards, you know, the little backyard. Mm-hmm. And I just moved in, and I didn't know anybody, and there were a bunch of girls in the other yard playing kickball or something, and um, the ball went foul. And I yelled foul from up there. And that's how my, I met my friend Kathy and we started arguing about whether it was foul or not. And, uh, but you know, where did I get that? 
to to yell at a bunch of not right. yell at but yell to a bunch of girls hey that was foul and i don't even know them right you know and i it, it wasn't like cuz i'm not i'm not i'm very shy so it wasn't, I can't explain what I mean. It wasn't an aggressive move. It wasn't sort of a, what you see today with people yelling at each other. Yeah. It, it was a very different energy. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. It's it, Even though you're shy, you still have this innate confidence. That's just, it's this energy that has to come out, you know? Right. Especially while I was sitting there watching it and, you know, it's like I was into baseball and, you know, football. And so, you know, that innate sense of fairness that, hey, the ball's foul, you know? Right. Call it. You had to call it like you saw it. I totally yeah, I love so that. I, I, I don't know what that means. That's confidence or just a big mouth, but I didn't have a big mouth. <laughs> right? I still don't on that level, you know? Mm-hmm. I'd rather keep to myself. Except for when you're touring. You are the... You were so, you're just fire. I, I recently saw you on the stadium tour with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison. And I mean, you are just such a force. Um, I mean, also being the only female on that entire tour, you know, I mean, are, is this yeah. something that it still strikes you or are you just so used to it at this point? I mean, that was a big, that was a big one. Well, I mean, uh, I'm certainly aware of it. You know, the sort of, I don't even know what you call it, just the, the past coming together with the with the present and just you know everybody's memories of all those bands and what they stand for. I mean, it was a mm-hmm. bunch of different energy coming together. I had a, a really good time. The bands were all very friendly to us and treated us great, and uh, it was reciprocal. You know, because yeah. uh, um, it's you know it's hard to do those tours. It's very hard. You know, you want it to be smooth and you want to work together because, you know, at this point, why do it if it's going to be unpleasant? There's just right. really not a point to it. And and I don't need to be in my own self. I don't need to be more famous or, you know, need more money or whatever. I mean, yeah, you could always use all that stuff, but it's not important enough for me to not have a good time at this point, you know? Right. And you and you did though. It was you had a good time. Oh yeah, I had, I had a great time. It was really it was a, a a really good experience, and and I liked going on first. Yeah, you know because I think we got to fire up the crowd, and lay down sort of the energy and just say, "Go, guys, top it." You know, yeah, not in any kind of bad negative way, but you know, challenging each other every night. That's right. It was like you set mm-hmm. the tone. You set the bar. You were like. Go for it. Yeah. But yeah, you set the tone. It was you were an incredible opener. It was such an, an amazing night. And I'm excited about the Brian Adams tour that was just announced. That'll be great too. Yeah, man. Uh, this, this is gonna be fun. I, I uh, you know, m- maybe met Brian a long time ago, but it's gonna be a lot of fun. I know he's excited about it. And we are. And apparently, you know, people like the idea, the fans out there. So oh, for sure. It should be a blast. Oh, it's going to be a total again, blast. You know, it's, it should just be a fun, relaxing vibe. For sure. Do you think that possibly you'll do some uh, more acoustic songs? Because I want to talk all about Change Up, your first acoustic album. Oh, yeah. We're going to definitely be doing um, – well, well, we'll put more in the set if 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 it works out time-wise. But we'll definitely be doing our single now, which is Long Time. 
Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we'll be playing that for sure, at the very least, and maybe more. I was so excited that you finally did your first acoustic album. And I am very fortunate because I was at the Bad Reputation film screening in L.A., where you first did those couple right. of songs acoustically. Right, right, right which was so special that I got to be there for sort of that like inaugural acoustic set. Totally, because you saw what made us go, wow, we could do an album like that. You know what I mean? Exactly. It like happened in yeah. that moment. Yeah, it was so cool to see your songs, which are filled with so much energy and spirit and edge and, and, and grit and teeth, and then all of a sudden see them in this totally stripped down, raw, intimate way it almost yeah. kind of gave the songs a whole new life exactly you know? exactly that was the whole reason we wanted to do it because you know for us i think i feel and i can't speak for everybody but i feel like you know we've written a lot of really good songs with good lyrics and it's very it's very easy in it for any band you know, you you get past it gets passed over. Everybody focuses on the single. You work very hard on an album for a while. A single comes out, it does well or it doesn't, and people just move on. You know, and you're not sure what the fans do. How deep do they go in the in the actual songs and the tracks they listen to them? But there's a lot of good songs in there that never get a chance, in my view or to my knowledge, to get a chance to be heard. So it was our way to kind of reintroduce some of them and, you know, with a new spin. And long time, like, I love the words. The lyrics to long time are really, I love them. They're really good. I love long time. And it really, it kind of puts a spotlight on the song itself, the actual songwriting, like you said, the actual lyrics, and really just strips the song back. And it's just a great timeless song that's applicable now. You know, it's just right. really, really special. Very, very special, Joe. And I, I really love the acoustic album. And the more we rehearse it and stuff, that I can really pull back because, you know, sometimes your voice isn't there enough. You can't, you know, you can't sing this song hard. Right. You know, it's just, um, I sang it hard when we played, played it electrically, but you can't do it with the acoustic. You've got to find a way to either change the melody or accept the fact that if you do hit the high note, it's going to be raggedy, mm -hmm. maybe a little off key or whatever. And so, yeah, it gives the whole song a, I'm sitting on the corner just playing this song for you vibe. And that's what it feels like. And it's, and it's fun and it's different every night because you're not quite sure where your voice is going to be. I love that. Yeah. You know, so some nights it might be a more energetic uh, or, or stronger vocal performance, but that's not to say that the more, more pulled back vo vocal performances aren't um, just as heartfelt or as good because they're, they're just different every night. Totally. And, you know, yeah. If I can deal with it, listening to myself, then it should be okay for everyone else because I <laughs> like listening to my own voice. You know, it's one of those things that... I hear you. ...can irritate you. Yeah, no, I think the acoustic songs give it a certain vulnerability. Yes. That's really, really special. I think that's what it is. It's like, because you're always, you know, with a, a wall of electric sound is like one vibe, you know, and then just having that stripped down sort of raw 
vulnerable performance is it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And aren't we all vulnerable? Of course. You know, we really are. And it's hard for people to admit it because everyone wants to put a strong face on. And I get that, man. That's all of our armor because the world, life is hard. Yeah. And a lot of it does suck and it's painful. Mm -hmm. And we all, Mm -hmm. you know, carry those wounds every day. And music uh, makes it better. It sure does. It's a beautiful thing. You know, we can all share it together and, um, and, and be hurt together. Yep. And then heal together, you know? Music is medicine. It's totally medicine. You had been avoiding doing acoustic sort of your whole career. And I think even when MTV was doing like the MTV Unplugged series, weren't you one of the first people asked to do it? Yeah, we just didn't, you know, I wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't there yet. You know, and I didn't, I didn't ever play uh, acoustic guitar. I didn't use it to write. I didn't, you know, if it was the only guitar around, yeah, I might pick it up for a little bit, but just the whole thing. It's a different feel. It's, um, I think it's a harder guitar to play than an electric guitar. Right. It's just a different feel. It's, um, the strings are, depending, depending on the guitar, you know, what you're working with. I'm sure some of them are very easy to play as well, but, um, we were usually banging on very cheap acoustics. I think it's awesome that, you know, doing this acoustic album really kind of brought you out of your comfort zone, you know, and uh, it pushes you. It pushes you as an artist. It pushes you as a person. What are what are you sort of most proud about doing this album? I'm most proud that I was able to turn around kind of a not super positive attitude towards it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we were going to do it and even though I know it went well in LA and it sounded good. It's just like, I think it was just a fear of going, how am I going to do these songs? Mm-hmm. How am I going to sing these melodies? You know, it was a fear of the unknown, really. Mm-hmm. Like everything, you know, of course, fear. So you don't go there, but you know, it really forced me to, like you said, rediscover the songs, uh, fall in love with them again and figure out, because now I really wanted to do it, how to f- sing them. Yeah. Even if it was difficult, you know, to let that vulnerability come in and not have to go, we got to sing that line again. It's got to be perfect, you know? It's like, yeah. Sometimes you just got to go with how it feels. And so, yeah, this was a whole learning experience for me that was happening as we were doing it. That's great. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you can learn things even as. <laughs> As old as I am, you still can learn new things. And that's a good lesson to know, too, is, you know, yeah, you can keep your walls up, you know, but, uh, and my walls are pretty strong, but they came down and it was great, you know, and um, just a good lesson, not be so fearful and that you can handle it, whatever it is. I love that. You'll find a way. That's what we do is we adapt. So That's right. You have, you have to make yourself a little uncomfortable, for sure. To, yeah, to, to go, how do I get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. In, in a way that I can live with, you know? Yeah. It's crazy to think that, you know, albums like Bad Reputation, Rock and Roll, an album have, are celebrating 40 plus years. You know, it's just wild. If you could go back 
to yourself around that 40 year mark, what would you, what would you say to yourself? How would you, what would, what advice would you give yourself? I mean, I did enjoy every minute, but to pay attention and really be there when you're doing what you're doing instead of thinking about what's next and where you're going. I mean, it's hard to do when you're in that moment, you know, and, and certainly, you know, when you're 20, whatever, and you're, you know, you're running around, it's hard to just sit in the moment and, and do those things. But, really be present and enjoy yeah. this amazing thing you get to do for work. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible, you know, and you don't know how long it's going to last, you know, when you'll not all be able to do it either physically or the people don't want to see you, you know, you just don't know. So you got to really care about everything and every gig and no matter how many people you're playing for, because I know there's a lot of people that have been famous and played for a lot of people and take it for granted. And then they can't feel like, you know, a small building. Yeah. But then they feel ashamed and they cancel a date or something. It's like, Uh, play for the small crowd. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, is it about numbers or is it about the music? The connection. Ultimately, it's got to be about that. I know you got to, you know, make a make a living, but after that, you know, everything else is gravy. That's right. That's great advice. And 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 being present is probably something that we can all uh, take away from this for sure. It's like no matter what you do, it's being in the moment and not taking anything yes. for granted. You're so right. You're so right. And it's hard to do. You know, I mean, it's no hard what to do. Right. You always. Going someplace else. Yeah. Even when the best shit's happening. And you also never know what's about to happen. You know, if if you think about, take you, for example, in the 70s, you're in the runaways. You know, you're you're crushing. You're part of this whole scene. You know, you're you're doing it in LA. The Ramones are doing it in New York. The Sex Pistols are doing it in London, you know. Then the band breaks up. You're forging forward. Now you're doing it, you know, in yourself in a new iteration. You have all these songs. And you have 23 record labels who are like not feeling it, like not having it. Rejections after you've already had, already created this trailblazing all-female band, you know. How do you, how did you at that time just keep on going? What fueled that drive of yours? It was a very difficult period, you know, because all all the girls, after the band broke up, everybody got record deal offers but me. You know, I was, like, not really the girl. You know what I mean? I didn't look like a girl. I didn't act like a girl. So, you know, I don't know what that means. I I guess that means, you know, you're not fuckable or something. Because it's all about that, you know, in this business. Mm -hmm. Fuckable money. That's all. (laughs) That's what all of this is about. But, um... I'll tell you, I was very close to joining the military because I didn't know what to do. And I knew I was like in bad shape. I'm going to wind up, you know, accidentally killing myself or just, you know, I was in not a good place. And I thought if I jo- maybe if I join the military, I'll get to travel, I'll meet people, I'll get some discipline, I'll learn something, you know. But then literally um, two weeks later, um, I had signed on to do a movie, uh, write music for a movie before the runaways broke up. And that was still a contract. And I had to do this, which was good. But uh, I needed to find somebody to write songs with. And my manager at the time, Toby Mamis, who had worked with uh, 
uh, Blondie. He was a, a, a PR guy, but he was managing us at the time. And he knew I had to write these songs. And he knew Kenny Laguna from, I don't know where he knew Kenny from, but knew of him and knew that he could write songs. And would he come out and work with me? And uh, he had already turned down doing the Runaways, producing the Runaways once. So I always, I always dig him with that. <laughs> he thinks he would have made us famous, and I say no, no, it wouldn't have happened because the timing wasn't right. Anyway, um, so I, I met Kenny to write songs. He came out to meet me in L.A. in, in I guess summer of '79, something like that, and. Um, we wrote the eight songs. I had like three days to write them. We wrote the songs. And the first one was a song called You Don't Know What You Got. But, you know, the, the beginnings of Bad Reputation were definitely in that group of songs. But that wasn't one that we used for the movie. Got it. Got it. And But that's uh, once I met Kenny, he didn't just, you know, write the songs and then take off. Right. You know, I... I told him my whole story and, you know, he just saw this person that was struggling to follow a dream and uh, he knew how much misogyny was going on, but he had friends in the business and he figured, you know, I can get her a record deal easy. So, you know, he called people and they all said no. And when he pressed them, they were just like, you know, we're just not interested. She, you know, she plays guitar you know, she's not feminine enough or whatever, you know, they just were saying no. Mm -hmm. So I don't think, you know, it really sunk in with him. So we went and we, you know, I wanted to form a band. I wanted to be guys because if it's girls, everybody will compare it to the Runaways. Runaways, yeah. So we formed a band out in LA, Blackhearts. Yeah. And came to New York. And um, eventually all those guys, um, one guy stayed with the band for quite some time, the bass player, Gary Ryan. Um, but the guys that came out from L.A. Uh, didn't stay in the band too long. Eric Amble went on to do other things. He's a lead guitar player, but he, now he's a big producer. Mm-hmm. Does a lot of, um, you know, I don't really know exactly, but a lot of writing and producing. And, you know, he's very successful. And I, th- I think that's, that's great. You know, and I'm very happy yeah. for him. But you also created your own label. It's like when all the labels were rejecting you, you were like, okay. Yes, that's what I was getting to. Is that once we made these songs, we had like a demo, and they had, they had Bad Reputation, I Love Rock and Roll, Crimson and Clover, Do You Want to Touch Me, and one other one. We sent these to all the record labels, the big ones and the little ones. We got 23 rejection letters, which we all ha- still That's have. That's amazing. You know, That's we amazing. have the big guys, and I won't name names, but all the names you can think of. Uh-huh. But no, you know, no, no songs here. You better do a song search. Lose the guitar. You know, really, what they were saying <laughs> Lose is- Lose the guitar. Lose don't the have guitar. interest in her. <laughs> you know, either they didn't, they just didn't want to sign me. They didn't like me. Well, you were unknown. You hadn't existed yet. You had, there had been nothing like you up until this point. So they couldn't wrap their heads around this unknown. Why could some people wrap their head around it and not them, you know? Right. I guess, you know, everyone's, they're a sheep, really. Right. That's exactly you know? it. And, yeah. but, but one of them eventually did go out on a limb, and that would be Neil Bogart of Boardwalk Records. Yeah. Boardwalk was 
his little boutique uh, label, I guess, that he would do rock and roll. And he, Neil loved me and the band and the songs. So this is one big guy that did get it. And so he distributed. Uh, it would come out. It was on Blackheart Records, but Boardwalk put it out. And um, But Neil died the week it went number one. And he never got oh to see God. it. Oh. Become number one and um, not physically here. Hopefully, he saw it in spirit yeah. because you know they did a whole lot to help us. You know, and um, we wouldn't have got, gotten that far without Neil. You know, he's another my little angel. Well, he was a visionary. You know, there, there's employees and there's visionaries. <laughs> yeah, there's so. you know president of record labels and then there's visionaries, and mm-hmm. he was a visionary, oh. and he could see that. And um, what the other guys couldn't see. I want to point out that Blackheart is one of the longest running indie labels and one of the first female artist owned labels. So entrepreneur Joan Jett as well. Thank Love you. That. Love that. I mean, just, you know, you, you continue to inspire. When I interviewed Miley Cyrus, she said that she learned not to take no for an answer from you. She gave you full credit for that sort of ethos that resonates with her and that she thinks about all the time. So, you know, how does it make you feel to hear that you continue to inspire and influence? It's really an un- indescribable. It's surreal. It doesn't feel like you're talking about your own self. You know, uh, it's like somebody yeah. else they're talking about because, you know, I'm just me and I don't think of myself like that. But, you know, and it's not meant in it, you know, no, no, no. That's yeah. not what I mean. It's like you have a dream and people say, no, that can't happen or no, we can't do that. And you go, well, thank you. I'll go somewhere else or whatever. But you don't give up. You know, no is the opposite of yes. So, you know, you just have to keep yeah, going. And, you know, certainly it's easier to to fight for your dreams because it is a a fight or a struggle. It's great to have other other people that believe in you. Whether it, it could be your just your friend, it could be your your parents, it could be, you know, your, your brother and sister, or it could be whatever a teacher, just somebody that gets what you're trying to do. It's not telling you no, even if they don't really understand you and, and they're just supporting you. Right. That's you know really important. And I think so important is more more important than the people supporting ever know. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, absolutely. Support people don't know till later how important they were mm-hmm. in cre- in creating that person. Yeah, I do something on the show called Deep Cuts, and it's basically just a Q and A, like a kind of a lightning round. Oh Jesus! Okay, name a song, artist, or album that changed your life. David Bowie. Love it. Ziggy Stardust. Diamond Dogs. Actually, Diamond Dogs would be more appropriate. That's what came out right when I was in high school, before I left high school. And so it was like right at that perfect time. That perfect, that impressionable imprinting time. It's like that becomes part of you. Exactly. What is a song that you wish you wrote? That's so hard to answer because there's so many. So many good ones. Um. I mean, we were talking about Bowie, so but Rebel Rebel is always Ugh. over. You know, it's like overdone. But that was a, that's a great riff, and it's one I wish I had written. Um, yeah, pretty much 
any social distortion song. Story of my life. Uh, so good. Ball and chain. I mean, those songs are just really, you know, like personal songs about feeling like you're not enough or how everything always goes wrong for you. Mm-hmm. So I, I can really relate. And and I'm sure a lot of kids out there can relate too. And Absolutely. So sometimes though, you know, those kind of songs where you really get to the root of it. Yeah, I love that. I love social distortion. I love hearing you say that. Um, do you have a favorite movie? Cabaret. Oh, great. Most influential. If you weren't a musician, what would you be? I'd work with plants or something. I love that. I'd be maybe in the forest or something something with nature yeah. or animals or and or kids in combination. That's awesome. Teach them not to be little assholes and not to be, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. you can't be sure what they're getting at home, you know. It's true. Everyone gets a ribbon. doesn't work. What is your most prized possession? Besides my guitars, my Toto toilet seat. <laughs> Have you ever been amazing. on one of them? No, I haven't. Them? Oh, no. Okay. I'm learning so much from you. It's fantastic. Yeah, the Toto, and it's got it's got a bidet in there and everything. So it's just wow, one stop shopping. <laughs> okay, noted, noted. People, you know, people are always shocked when I say that, but you know, I get it. It's comfort. Why not? It's you know, it's one of those few extravagances that you know I have. Great, but I like it. You know, yeah, I think it's great. Respect. Every public toilet in Japan is one of these. Wow. They have no regular toilets. They all wash you. It's amazing. We need to get on that. You have to go to Japan to check it out. Yeah. I know. You're so right. What is something fans would be surprised to learn about you? That I have cats. You're a cat lover. Well, I'm an animal lover, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's hard to have other animals, you know, if you're leaving. Cats seem to be the most... um, Independent. But they still get, you know, visited a couple of times a day. Yeah. To You know, for food and stuff. But it's not like a dog where you have to walk them or... But they get very dog-like missing me. You know, they... Aww. Howl and wreck things and chew things up and spit them all over the place. Aww. What are their names? Felicia and Cleopatra. If you could meet any celebrity, dead or alive, who would it be? I don't know, man. Maybe I'd go back to to Bowie. Even though I mm-hmm. met him, I didn't get to sit down and like shoot the shit with him. Yeah. You know, and just talk. But, you know, you got to be careful. The last thing he wants to do would be sit down and answer, like, you know, what was it like to make Ziggy Stardust? You know what I mean? like, <laughs> that comes down the road, right. you know? You, you can't do that, but yeah. I'll never get a chance unless we meet someplace else. Are there words you live by? Uh, yeah, kind of. But you're going to think I'm crazy or other people will. That This is fleeting. It's temporary. That I'm not doing this stuff. I'm just here. I'm I'm a... There's, you know, receiver. I'm the vehicle. Yeah. And um, there are not two things, which means we're all one. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's so true. And if you think of things like a flock of birds out over the anywhere, a big flock of birds, and they're flying, and all of a sudden they all turn, and they all turn. Who's doing that? Who's saying turn what? No, no, it's not the f- first guy does it and then the guys behind follow. 
They all do it as one. Yeah. That's like one brain. How does that happen? Yeah. You know, it's a deeper, deeper lesson if we'd fucking pay attention. Yeah. Stop being like, you know, this is more so important. Yeah. But, you know, that's what people want to pay attention to. While they're on the earth, that's what am I going to do? You You know, you can't change it, really, not fast anyway. Change is slow. As we see, you know, 40 years later, and, and, you know, I don't think much has changed for women. Mm-hmm. It's good PR, but, and there are more girls doing things and women doing things, but um, we're just not there yet. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. We still have a long way to go, a long way to go, for sure. Last but not least, but what does rock and roll mean to you? <laughs> I'd be honest and say, well, there's two answers. The words rock and roll don't nearly, they don't mean as much as they used to at all. Because now it's just a phrase, you know, right. to me. It, it, it's um, been captured by the zeitgeist or whatever that means. You know, it's um, when I was, when I was in the runaways, so many people didn't want to be in a rock band. That was thought of as like, you know, kind of gross and, you know, like like outlaw kind of thing. And people, like the masses did not want to be that. You know, they they, they, did, they didn't want to be pop stars. They, they wanted to watch that, but they didn't want to be that. And it's mm-hmm. just so weird to me how all of that changed. And now rock star is what everybody wants. Even the politicians, that word, because it used to mean edge. It used to mean, you know, and kind of out of control. But you know, you not don't know what's going to happen next, which is different than a rock and roller. A rock star is different than a rock and roll, a rock and roll musician who doesn't really give a shit. It's great if you become famous and it's great if you're playing in front of a bunch of people and it's great if you make money, but that's not the point. Right. You know, that's not the main thing. You want to play music to a lot of people. So if, if you become famous, that's great. But if you fall out of favor, that's okay. You're not going to freak out. A rock star is almost about like an extrinsic motivation. It's about appealing to the masses and to many, whereas that rock and roll spirit is something internal that you feel and that's part of you. A rock star is just a stamp now. It do, right. You know, it doesn't mean what it used to. Rock star, I mean, it's like that commercial that we did on the Super Bowl. It's like right. um, it will never mean what it used to mean, you know? Right. Sometimes music is so prescient. Andy Warhol, everybody knew it's going to be there 15 minutes. I mean, it's so true. So true. It's scary, though. The 15 minutes thing comes at the expense of art most of the time. Of course. Well, you are a rock and roll and a rock star in one, confirmed, Joe. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> so. you very much, Allison. <laughs> you're both. You're, every, you're all, all the things. You're everything. Um, but, Joan, thank you so much. Um, I'm a massive, massive, massive fan of you, and not just your music, but you as a human being and you. everything you do. And the fact that you continue to be an inspiration. Thank you. Thanks so much. How awesome is Joan? I mean, I think that we can all agree that she is the epitome 
of a rock star. Not up for debate. Enough said. Thank you in advance. It is now time for my sound advice. New music you need to know featured on the Alison Hagendorf Show playlist, and you can find the link to that in the show notes. First up this week is a band called Moy. They are from one of my favorite cities, Glasgow. They write and record all their own music themselves. I'm definitely hearing influences from bands like The Cure on this one, which you know I love The Cure. This is Moy, and their song is Thank God for Mental Illness. Next on my sound advice is the band The Black Mordia. They are from Paris, and they have their debut album coming out later this year. They cite fellow French artists Daft Punk and Justice as influences. I am definitely also hearing some 1975 and M83 vibes here as well. Make sure you listen to The Black Mordia's latest song, 20. Meet Me at the Altar is an all-female pop-punk band you need to know. They originally all connected online and had such an innate chemistry in their songwriting. This song is my favorite one yet. Their debut album, Past, Present, Future, is out next week. I'm loving this latest song. It's called Cool. Crawlers are a British band from Liverpool. Their song, Come Over, went viral on TikTok, but this is my favorite song of theirs, and it actually has my favorite lyric as well. It goes, I couldn't fix you, so I broke myself instead. I mean, come on, incredible lyrics. Check out Crawlers and their song, Too Soon. Friday Pilots Club is a band I love. Members are from both Chicago and Southern California. They are influenced by bands like The Strokes and The Killers and newer bands as well, like Nothing But Thieves were one of my personal favorites. This was one of those songs. They wrote it over a couple of margaritas. It came together in just a few hours. I love hearing stories like that. This is Friday Pilots Club, and the song is called Life Support. That's my sound advice this week. You can find them all on the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist, which is on every platform, and the link is in the show notes below and on my site, allisonhagendorf.com. Thank you so much for being part of the Allison Hagendorf Show. New episodes drop every Friday morning, so make sure you follow and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I am telling you, our lineup for March Women's History Month, it is fire. I am really, really, really proud of it. You can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can also watch the show on Instagram and YouTube. I would really love to hear from you, so please like comment, rate, review, whatever you're feeling, and reach out to me on socials at Allie Hagendorf. I would love to connect with you. Thanks again. I'll see you next week. And remember, you're a rock star. It's okay to say that. Joe said it was okay. Okay.